0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, not so paradise for Syracuse. They go one and two on the road trip down to Atlantis. We'll get into Joe Girard because he was effectively benched in the second half. We'll also get into maybe some positive takeaways. I think there's a couple things that you could take away from Atlantis. Not a ton, but there were certainly a couple things. And then the defense. I mean, my goodness, (laughs) this is is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. So we will dive into all that. That is coming up next.
1: You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked On Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Subscribe to the show there. Also find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Okay. One and two in Atlantis. Listen, you, you can live with losing to Auburn, right? You can live with that. But it's the VCU yeah, but the game. the way it was was kind fashion, of frustrating. No, you're right, right. You're right. The yeah. fashion of it all was very disheartening. So we will get into all of that. But I think we start with Joe Girard here because effectively benched in the second half. And, and I mean, it was just ugly. There was so much bad in this game. I mean, there's so much bad this entire week, really, with, with what went down in Atlantis. And by the way, today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to NetSuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. So Joe Girard, in that second half, he, he ends up playing, what did what he end up playing, eight minutes in that second half? But it didn't feel like eight minutes. I mean, he got a couple pity minutes there at the end uh, when it was all said and done, but really ineffective. It, it just seemed like there was a whole lack of desire with a lot of these guys. I mean, there was sloppy play, lazy turnovers. There was just not a lot of good to take away. And I don't know if it was just the fact that you were kind of shell-shocked that you were in Atlantis and took it as more of a vacation than a, a business trip, but that's the way it looked for this team the entire week. I don't really buy into the lack of desire
1: part. I mean, I think they, this team's playing hard. I just Some don't know. Some of these know. turnovers,
0: though, I mean, it looked like they were checked out. That, that, when Gerard turned the ball over, he, he passed it to nobody. It was stolen away. He goes down, tries to take a charge, doesn't get whistled. Probably the right. It was a good no call, I would say. And then doesn't get up. And then the floaters hit right over him. I mean, that, that to me is, is laziness and a lack of desire.
1: Well, it could be fatigue, right? And that's a
0: whole thing that we get but guess into. What? Because Everyone was playing with fatigue. You're on day three of a three games and three day tournament. Everyone's tired. You, that is not an excuse that you're allowed to have.
1: So I agree with you a little bit. And Beheim had an, Coach Bayheim had an interesting comment post game. He was like, we just can't play three games in three days with this team right now. And it's like, all right, well, everyone's doing it, Jim. Like it, yeah. I, I thought if you can't play 40 minutes in college basketball without getting tired, then, you know, you're not a good player.
0: Remember when he went on last grant about, yep. yeah, and, they play six guys, right? Sadiq
1: Bay plays hard as you know what, as he said, a couple years ago. So I, I don't get why he is just saying, oh no, we can't, we can't play three games. He, I guess was specifically talking about going against this type of pressure, meaning VCU was in your face the entire 90 feet. Auburn was a physical tough team. Arizona State pressed you in the second half. But okay, if that's the case, then dip into the bench a little bit more, I guess, because the fatigue thing yes, all these teams played three games in three days, and Auburn went to double overtime in the first game, but Auburn is just throwing bodies out there. I mean, there was one time they they played.
0: They played 10 a guys. Line change, all five guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they went five in. It was like Roy Williams with a walk ons <laughs> type of thing. I, I was shocked that you it could was, do that. It was Tom
0: Izzo. Yeah. I thought Tom Izzo was coaching on the other sideline for a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I think fatigue played a factor in this particular game. I don't think it was a lack of desire or want to in the general tournament, though, from Syracuse. I just think right now this team's got a long way to go. And Auburn's just better than us. That's that's kind of the bottom line.
0: There was no shame in losing to Auburn, but there is shame in losing by 21, right? Like like, That's the frustrating part. I think both you and I, we didn't do a preview for this this game, but if we did, we would have picked Auburn to win, and we probably would have picked Auburn to cover. I think it settled at five Mm -hmm. and a half when it was all said and done on betonline.ag, but the the frustrating part is the collapse, like the end of first half sequence where nobody gets back on defense. It, It was reminiscent of that closing sequence against Notre Dame a couple years ago where nobody got back and there was a game-winning tip-in just because of laziness and no one getting back on defense. And it felt like that was the same thing we saw at the end of the first half. And that kind of set the tone for the second half when you get blown out by 11 in the second half. That should have been a six-point game, six-ish point game at the half. And you let it turn into a 10-point game, and I feel like that set the tone for the entire game.
1: Yeah, I do think the score is a little bit misleading. It was mostly a 10 to 15 point game. Yeah. And they actually played. It was a good stretch in the second half where Jesse and we can get into Jesse and Cole yeah, because J- Jesse's one of my stuff.
0: my helmet stickers for uh, for the weekend. Like sure. th- right. <laughs> that was one of the real positive signs. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: But on the note of Gerard, he goes two turnovers, three assists. He's one for five from three. Just three points in 26 minutes here. Torrance plays 21 minutes by comparison. Is pretty simple, he just can't handle pressure, he can't handle the physicality that the VCU and Auburns of the world are going to give him. And he had a couple basically like pick sixes in this game where he gets yeah. his pocket picked, and it's that's a the easy best way to put it. On yep. the other mm-hmm. end. Yeah, and you just can't have that. He made too many careless passes against VCU, he gets rattled against pressure. And the good news is, I think Torrance is a little more equipped for that, but at the end of the day, I don't really think. Torrence is going to make or break a game like this. And he no. did play a decent amount in the second half. So I'm not really upset with the minutes. I was upset with the minute disparity against VCU a little bit, but Torrance, he did make a three in this game. He had six points. He's just not giving you enough on offense. And this gets yeah. into the concern with this team, which is all these guys are just one way players. Basically, even yeah. buddy, I'll, I'll give buddy a lot of credit. His offense has been really solid. Uh, yeah, and- listen,
0: that's a hell of a one way too with guys like buddy yeah
1: it's an all acc player because of his one way but and he's getting fouled constantly i thought in this game that they didn't call and he's handling Mm -hmm. physical defense very well i was very impressed with his offense but then he's doing so much on offense and he falls asleep on defense for a couple plays and gives up an open three like no one is a two-way player maybe jesse will get to that point and we can talk about that but that's the issue with the team they're limited because there's not any two-way players
0: yeah, and when I talk about the the effort of this team, it, I'm talking about this game specifically. Like, Obviously, the effort was there against Arizona State. I thought the effort was there against VCU, but in this game in particular, it just felt like there were too many lapses. And again, it probably is the third game in three-day sort of mentality, but there, you, you saw one team that was locked in and, and got to every 50-50 ball. And you saw one team that was careless with the basketball, made untimely turn, turnovers, and that's why they lost the game by 21. And and like you said, this wasn't a 21-point loss. It was more like a 15-point loss. But that's not some sort of endorsement either.
1: No. I think part of the reason why Auburn got all the 50-50 balls is they're just quicker, too. And they're just yeah. a better mm-hmm. overall team in terms of Deeper. talent and athleticism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so... Look, I remember I was watching that UConn-Auburn game right before the Syracuse game that was the thriller in double overtime, and I was sitting there just thinking, and I don't know if anyone, like, you can't think any differently than just when you're watching that game, think, man, like, these two teams are just better than Syracuse right now. Maybe Syracuse will get to a level where they're clicking on all cylinders at the end of the year, but they don't have a ceiling like Auburn does, or they don't have a ceiling like UConn does because – they don't have the athletes. They don't have the talent. And that's a whole don't other have story that's kind of sad. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean, they got to make threes and they couldn't really make threes as much as they needed to to beat an
0: Auburn. I, so, Syracuse scores 68 points in this game. If I had to venture a guess for the entire season, they will not win a game by scoring 68 points. Like the defense just isn't good enough in that regard. You're not going to find yourself in a game where you can score 68 points and win it's just not not the case with this team. As for Gerard, we we've kind of talked about this. He kind of holds the keys to the season because if he's an effective point guard and I'm not saying guard, he has to be an effective point guard, distributing the basketball, not turning the ball over and and playing solid enough defense, like passable defense. It felt like he signed his national letter of intent to Siena at halftime. Like that <laughs> we got that Gerard. We got the Siena Saints Gerard in this game. And that's, that's the frustrating thing is like, yes, that crowd is going to come out on Twitter. Now you're going to see a lot of Gerard hate, but like he could easily flip the switch. Once they get back to the dome against Indiana and and give you the 20 and seven,
1: he could, he also is only going to probably do that when it's a good matchup for him. And these are just not good matchups because of the physicality and the pressure which is really a shame because we're talking about a junior point guard that you would hope would have some poise in those situations. But at least that's the reality of
0: it. There just hasn't been the consistency with him right now.
1: With anyone really outside of buddy, right? Like you're talking about who holds the keys to the car. You could, I mean, I could make an argument for Cole Swider that we'll go as he goes this year. We'll go as Jesse goes. There's, There's like five or six guys that are X factors. And we say that because, They haven't shown the consistency. Now, Jesse actually did it in back-to-back games here, and shout-out to him, but Jimmy has a good game against VCU. Pretty cold, the other two games. Joe, great game against Colgate. You could say that's because it was Colgate and a bad defense, and then he comes to this tournament and he struggles against teams that are really good at exposing his weaknesses.
0: Yeah. All right. We will get into the defense in just a little bit, but this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one of a kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockdown NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash lockdown NCAA. For a special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses, head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at kabotaorangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's kabotaorangedays.com. So the defense, I mean, it was not good in any game. Even though they won that Arizona State game, they still allowed north of 80 points but you're just lucky enough that you're scoring in the 90s. And that's what the Syracuse team is going to have to do. They're going to have to score in the 90s consistently, which is a pretty tall task, especially when you see a a game like this where you go out and score 68 against... uh, like You could have put up 80 in this game and made it a game, but the 68 number, that to me was concerning, especially given what this defense is.
1: Yeah, and it's not like like the offense can score 90, but I feel like they're only going to be able to score 90 against teams like Arizona State that are sort of wanting to play up and down and are offensive-minded. When you're going up against those teams, I have no doubts that this offense is going to be good, but they do have flaws, too. So that's why the defense just has to be better than this. Looking on Ken Palm right now, 158 in the country on D. What did they to start, Palm's like 76?
0: Defensive.
1: Yeah, like... I mean, that's as low as I've seen a Syracuse defense in the Ken Palm era. I'd have to do some digging, but the NIT defense, I think, was somewhere in the neighborhood of 130, the Andrew White, John Gillen. It wasn't this bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 158 is a bad number. Now, will it get better than that? I, I certainly hope so. But here's the dirty little secret you just played three teams that aren't good three-point shooting teams either. And your biggest flaw is still the three-point line and defending that because right now teams are shooting, I think it's 37% or somewhere around there from three. I mean, they're shooting some of of the better, some of the worst mark in the country and probably the ACC in terms of three-point defense right now. They're also looking at Kemp 47.9% of points you're allowing are coming from three. That's the second highest mark in the nation. Auburn shoots 40% from three today, Arizona state, 38.5%, VCU 39%. Going into this week, their averages were like VCU in the twenties. I think Arizona state low thirties, Auburn was 32 going into today. So it's not like these are lights out three point shooting teams that are exposing the zone.
0: So did a little quick dig on your, your numbers there for the Ken Palm defense. 158 is the worst in the Ken Palm era. Like, that's what we're at right now. And and it started at, like, 75-ish, all right? This team needed to be top 50 defensively if they wanted to get to some lofty goals in the ACC this year and be a real player in in the conference and in the country, really. But when when you're slipping outside the top 150, that's where you have your problems. And you bring up the three-point percentage here, all right? Teams are shooting 37% on Syracuse right now from distance. But they're also shooting 52% of their shots from three. So yeah. when it's a high volume and you're not good at defending it, you're going to have a lot of issues and you're going to allow a lot more 89s on the scoreboard for the opposition more than you'd like this season. So, so that they're allowing 52% of their, of uh, all field goal attempts are coming from three. That's 354th in the country. What are there? 358 teams in the yeah. country right now? Maybe I so think right around there. Teams are moving the ball in them too. Yeah. The zone is out of whack. It is out of whack right now. You got players in places that they should not even be sniffing. And and the closeouts are laughable at, at a lot of these. Like you're either getting no one within a country mile of a shooter, or it's a laughable closeout.
1: Yeah, and I'm not saying they're gonna finish worse than 158, but Listen, it's only up from here. It can only be sure, up. Sure, but here. how up can it go? That's right, the no, question, that's the, right? That's the
0: question, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I don't see it getting better than 100 this year on Ken- no. defense. No, 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 I, no. And that's, how are you going to have a team that's not on the bubble if that's the case? I mean, we could do some research at a separate time of how often does a team that doesn't have a top 100 defense even get a top 10 seed in the NCAA tournament? It's not often. And it's definitely not often that they go on a run. And obviously, the defense has... Only gotten better as the season has progressed in recent seasons. And usually it starts out bad and usually it progressively gets a little bit better. The difference is the athletes aren't there this year. And these numbers are worse than we're seeing ever before. Like this is even worse than I think the nightmarish scenario of how this defense was going to play out is 158. I didn't think it would get above 130 this year. And here we are.
0: Yeah. You know, the funny thing about playing a zone defense too is. When you're attacking a zone defense, offensively, your mantra is get out in transition so they don't have time to set up their defense because that is the nightmare for the team that's playing the zone. But I feel like with the way that this zone functions, I feel like teams almost want to slow it down against Syracuse so they can set up their zone because you're going to get a much better look out of that than trying to force up some transition bucket.
1: Yeah. And I guess you could say Auburn banked in two threes, Arizona state 15 for 39. I can live with that because you're sort of yeah. taking them out of what they want to do. The fact that they shot 39 three speaks to how often that they couldn't penetrate the zone and get it in there. And they still scored 84 points, but that was a little bit of rallying late to get to that figure. So you could say that the three point defense, it's going to get better than what it is right now, but these three teams weren't supposed to shoot great from three and they're not going to be in double figures consistently from three in terms of makes on, on any given game. But Arizona state made 15 against you. The other thing is Syracuse is just, they're not attempting a lot of three still on the yeah. offensive end, which is bizarre that these teams are just out shooting them.
0: Like they didn't shoot poorly from three today. Syracuse. No, they shot 37%. But when you're shooting 19 times from three, that's a problem. And like, It looks like Cole has started to figure it out a little bit from three, starting to get his touch a little bit. He was good the last game against Arizona State, two for six. Given what you've seen in the early portions of the season, you'll take two for six from Cole, right? So, yeah, I I don't get it. Like, I I don't get the because this isn't just a this game thing. This isn't an isolated incident. This team is not shooting a lot of threes this year, and for a team that came into the season expecting three point shooting to be a strength. It feels very counterintuitive on what they're trying to do offensively.
1: Well, I think it's the way teams are defending them. And they understand that, all right, if we take away the three, like Mike Rhodes and VCU said, then what is Syracuse going to do to us on offense? Now, hopefully Jesse becomes more and more of a threat, but the 15 turnovers from Syracuse in this game is also really bad. You usually don't see that number. They only four seven against yeah. Auburn. I, like you said, no shame in losing to Auburn, but the way they lost was very discouraging. And the fact that you went into this weekend, you drew VCU and Arizona State, who I don't think are either very good teams. Yeah, if, I mean, if you, if you told me the run off,
0: was VCU, Arizona State, Auburn, I would have said two and one. You were favorite in two of them,
1: right? Like yeah. that's what betonline.ag had you going. So it's disappointing that not only did you only win one, but you weren't really all that competitive in the last four minutes or so with VCU. And you definitely weren't competitive against Auburn today.
0: Yeah, it, it it's really disheartening the fashion that Atlantis went down. So we'll get into our biggest Atlantis takeaways because I think they're. Listen, it was a bad weekend. It was a failure of a week. I I, I keep saying weekend, but it, it was during it the week. Like, but yeah. <laughs> but it, it's Thanksgiving. It's the holidays. We'll get into our biggest takeaways of the week in a little bit because there were some positives. There were Definitely. like Jesse Edwards. We have to give him his flowers for this. Entire week because he was fantastic. But first, let me tell you a little bit about betonline.ag. It is the Thanksgiving time, and we all know what that means football, and nothing goes better than football, than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered with all the holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving weekend. Head on over to their new updated desktop or mobile site. And sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. All you got to do is punch in our promo code locked on and you will receive that bonus. It's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving.
1: All right, guys, it is the most wonderful time of the year, Black Friday, and Bilt is going all out to make this Black Friday weekend the most delicious Black Friday that ever was in the history of Black Fridays. New limited-time flavors, new types of bars, and a winter wonderland of a deal. You want high-end deliciousness at a discount all through Black Friday weekend right now. Get at least 20% off anything and everything at Bilt.com. Enter promo code LOCKED20. New flavor, Ruby Chocolate Puffs is out now. A marshmallowy goodness. That sounds great. Also got another new flavor, Lemon Dip Cheesecake Puffs, and a new bar, Built Crave Bar. You can get two of their brand-new candy bars, Built Crave, for free. Tons of new offers, tons of great deals. No need to fight angry crowds. No camping out for hours. Your best Black Friday deals are at Built.com. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. 20% off. On built bars and two free crave bars, all at built.com. Plus, you can get 60% off built broth and built boost and 40% off built swag. Just enter lock20 at built.com.
0: All right, let's get into our biggest takeaways from the week. I think we've kind of hit on it. Like the defense was putrid in pretty much every single game. But uh, we, we should start with, with Jesse Edwards, which is weird that we're starting with a positive of this entire Atlantis experience. But like, Je- the b- my biggest takeaway is Jesse Edwards. I didn't think he had this sort of offensive game to him. But back-to-back games, 17-21, and 21, he's putting together a nice, well-rounded offensive game. The rebounding still leaves a touch to be desired, but he just looks like a polished offensive player. And that's a really good sign for a program that has been absolutely depleted of an offensive center for the past five, seven years.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. We might finally have an offensive center. I I can't tell you how good it feels to say
0: that. I out loud. Say Like he is a two-way center.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, he's, you know, you got to stay out of foul trouble. That's part of right. being a good defender. But and listen, the last two, two games, games here, he did. Yeah it's exciting because when he is, that's what I tweeted during the Arizona state game. I was like, Jesse, just don't foul. Because when you're not in foul trouble, you're a beautiful sight. And you said, I didn't think uh, that Jesse had this in him at this stage. I agree. Also, Jim Beheim agrees, apparently, because he basically said the same thing in his press conference afterwards. He was like, I didn't know that he was going to play like this. And that's a huge development for us. He also brought up how Cole started to find his shot. And he talked about how, Cole wasn't asked to do this at Villanova. It's basically the same way he talked about Alan Griffin last year. Like we yeah. have to understand this is an adjustment. This is a learning curve. He was just asked to catch and shoot last year. Now he's got to figure out how to get in the lane, do things, score. But Cole had 20 points, I believe, against Arizona State, 17 more in this game. Not super efficient, still making some mistakes. I still feel like yeah. he picks up his dribble in some bad spots here or there, but it's encouraging that, he's starting to find his shot and that they're getting some offense from those two guys because they absolutely need it. And as much as yeah. the offense is a strength right now, there's going to be games where like this game, Joe's not firing all cylinders. Someone else has to step up. And if Jesse can give you double digit scoring, I never would have thought yeah. that going into the year. That I mean,
0: huge. we always play the, the high, the leading score on this team we, we split nods on Jesse. I mean, my goodness like who would have ever picked Jesse Edwards to lead the team in scoring in a single game this season and and he's yeah. put together back to back really strong offensive performances and and really it's just his touch around the rim too like like last year he would put up shots and they had no chance of going in so like, like last season He had very minimal touch. Now he's got a pretty soft touch around the rim, and you're pretty confident anytime he puts a shot up, it's going to go in because he's getting a pretty high percentage look every single time.
1: Right. He had one play in the first half. It didn't count because of a shot clock violation, but he did a spin move and finished with his left hand right around the free throw line areas where he started it. And it made me like jump out of my seat. I just hadn't seen a Syracuse center do that in a while, and it felt so good to see it. So very encouraged about Jesse. Overall, like, takeaway for me, though, is this team is basically just going to be a bubble team. I think
0: uh, everyone's trying listen, to get you got to right? score 90 every single game. Yeah. And that, that's you need three scores if that is going to be your M.O. this season. And you don't just need three scores. Joe Girard has to be one of those scores if you're going to be a team that relies on 90 points a game.
1: Right. Right. And everyone, this is what Syracuse fans do right now. We're trying to guess, all right, is this the under 500 season? Is this a bubble? Is this just a blip and they're going to figure things out? I think it's a bubble season because, right, I mean, I think they can be good or they can be solid at least, but Mm -hmm. they don't have any time to get good right now, and they're a long ways from getting good. And I say that knowing what is ahead in the schedule. Indiana Tuesday night, like,
0: yeah. And guess what? what Indiana's been sitting on their asses for what, like five days now. So they're going to be well rested. Meanwhile, you got a team like Syracuse who just played three games in three days.
1: Right. And then it doesn't get easier. Florida State on the road, Villanova. You could say the ACC is not as good, but I don't care what you're dealing with in terms of conference action or how good you get in the conference. They're three and three right now. They could be three and six going to Georgetown. That's not unrealistic. And if you're three and six, holy, I mean, you're what 80 in Ken Palm and a long ways out of the bubble, probably.
0: Yeah. I, just looking at some of these games, a lot of these wins have flipped to losses. Like you look at yeah. the Georgetown game, that is all of a sudden, based on the projections, flipped to a loss. The wow. Miami game, one of the first couple games in ACC play, that's flipped to a loss. Wake Forest, that's flipped to a loss. I mean, those those are games that Syracuse, like the beginning of the season, you would have said, Wake Forest, all right, you can already pencil in the W there, but if if these projections are are, are giving you that sort of glim outlook for the entire season, this could be a long season. Listen, I don't think it's going to be the below 500 season. I just think that you're going to, be in enough ACC games where it won't be the below. Yeah, 500 the ACC
1: not good enough. I don't think to be below five hundred. But yeah, they might be crawling their way out of it because, as you said, based on projections right now, Ken Palm has them three and seven on December eleventh. After now they listen,
0: play I, I do think they beat Georgetown. Like like Georgetown right, has plenty of their own issues. We're we're talking.
1: Like We're getting into must-win territory. That's always my big joke is when's the first must-win game because they do this every year, and it's sad, and it's pathetic that we have to talk about this like this, but I would say Indiana is like, if not a must-win, like
0: it can't lose, right? (laughs) Here's my my outlook here. Okay, so you've got six games leading into the ACC schedule. Well, I'll, I'll lump Florida State because it's the early oddball ACC game, but people understand what I mean here. You have to go four and two during the stretch. You like have to go four and two during the stretch. It is Indiana, Florida State, Villanova, Georgetown, Lehigh, Cornell.
1: But let's have just take four the four two. games because I think we're going. We both have them beating Lehigh and Cornell, right? right? So in those four games, go two and two in the next straight. two and yeah. two, you have to. And I think if they go two and two, that would surprise me. I envisioned them probably going one and two in Atlantis, and I thought that was based on losing your last two games after beating VCU. So this team's kind of just what I thought they were going into the season to this point. The defense is probably a little bit worse than I thought, and the ACC is – I didn't think it was going to be good, but it's maybe even a little bit worse than I thought. Now, the ACC has time to get a little bit better, but I I think we could be looking at a similar type of vibe to that NIT team with Andrew White and John Gillen, where they played Georgetown after, I guess they played St. John's after Georgetown that year, but that was where Tyler Lydon had a great game in the dome. It felt like a must win. They didn't get it. We could be looking at a Georgetown game that is not a must win as a joke, but like legit, if you lose that game, the season's over and that's on December 11th. And season over meaning you can't make the NCAA tournament unless you win the ACC tournament.
0: Yeah, it's, listen, Very few fates are determined in the non-conference, but you can get a vibe for the season in the non-conference. And right now the vibes are not good. Just the way that you lost in some of these games, and and even the game you won against Arizona state had plenty of warts too. And and that's the problem. Right. And and listen, you're going to play some really tough teams that are going to want to press you and, and can go deep into their, their benches as well. And how are you going to counter that because there is not a guy that i necessarily trust to break a press on this team there is not a guy that when when you need a like a calming presence when you just need a bucket like buddy's been good but he's also forced some really odd like he took that one shot today from the logo just just because and it was Or just at like- the end
1: of the half, he had a pick six, basically, yeah. which made it 43-33. He's still not the tightest ball handler ever, and he's probably never going to be. But that's the issue. All these guys just, I mean, they have some strengths, but they're not all-around players, really. And yeah. Buddy's defense is not ideal, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, if you're the committee and you're looking at Syracuse right now, which I... I hesitate to even say that because it is November still. So I don't right. even want to get into that conversation too much. But my point is these games that they're losing, they're losing all by double figures. Like yes, the VCU yeah, score might be a little
0: misleading, but, but that's like a Virginia game where like you lost by eight, but eight against VCU is more like
1: we you lost by twelve 13, 14. I mean, that's, that three double, 12. yeah. I'm losses. doing my math wrong yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Like Colgate, you lost by fifteen and I get it. You were kind of in that game, but you gave up a (laughs) hundred. Like this is just. It doesn't. It's not like they're three and three, but they almost beat Auburn. I think at least be competitive against Indiana, Florida State, Villanova. You got to keep them tight at the very least. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And listen, I think there's a decent chance they can beat Indiana just because the Big Ten ACC challenge really favors home. home teams. Yeah. Like yeah. really favors home teams. And I think there will be a good crowd that shows up just because it's Indiana. It's big 10 ACC challenge. Like there's, there's the quasi rivalry factor there because of 87 and all that stuff. But or, I, I just, there there's so much that I need to see. Like I, I need to see this defense get better. So um, real quick, before we get out of here, there is a football game tomorrow. It is yes. bowl or bust tomorrow against, uh, against Pitt. just real quick, 30 seconds or less elevator pitch. What's going to happen tomorrow?
1: Well, I love this because people are probably going to listen by the time the game has already happened and just laugh at us at this point. But I think Syracuse will keep it tight at half and probably sort of falter and run out of steam in the second half. I just hope it's somewhat competitive. We see something on offense and I think they will be able to score somewhat, but, I said this early in the week. I think it's like a 30% chance they actually win the game. And as I said earlier in the week, if you win the game, all is forgiven for the last two games. This is it. This is a yeah. huge, huge biggest game of the Dino era, probably. So I'm not counting out their chances of winning it, but I think Pitt will probably just pull away on offense in the second half.
0: Isn't that sad? Biggest game of the Dino era. And, and like his job's not even on the line. Like,
1: yeah, probably not. It's, I mean, it's
0: brutal. Like, so, I kind of feel like tomorrow's going to be a blowout. I think the spread right now is 13-ish on betonline.ag. Oh, that's a lot. It's a lot, especially for, but like, this could be the the highlight reel that they're showing in New York for Kenny Pickett for a, for a Heisman ceremony. Like, yeah. We, 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 we've seen a lot of Heisman tape coming against Syracuse, and this could be the latest installment.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know enough about where the Heisman race is at, if he's actually in the running to be there, but he's good, and he's probably going to have his way against the Syracuse defense because he's had his way against everyone so far yeah. this year.
0: And listen, fifth-year quarterback, just the, these veteran guys know how to pick apart defenses. And it's not It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. Like These guys who essentially go to like one class and are effectively acting like pros— that just right. study tape, go to the facility, get some extra work in like it's tough. It's tough against these guys. It, it, it is a cheat code to a degree, but that's the world we live in in college football right now. So, all right, that is going to do it for us here on today's Locked on Syracuse podcast. We will be back next week. Recapping football could be the end of the season. Who knows? Um, and then we'll also get into the Big Ten ACC challenge because that is. Like every year, that's the game I circle. Every year, doesn't matter who they're playing. I always think it's a good litmus test. So we will dive into all of that stuff next week. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week.
1: The NCAA tournament is almost here.